Hey, everybody. I am Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you become the real estate hero. Now, just a quick reminder that this recording is an exclusive live event for our students only, and they have the opportunity to ask questions and get answers to their biggest questions. So if you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call. I'd like to welcome in Brian Lochner from Note School. And these guys specialize in teaching investors how to grow their income and build wealth through note investing. Brian, super grateful to have you on. Yeah, man. Super great to, grateful to be here. I'm very excited to talk about some stuff and uh, hopefully bring some nuggets that'll make you guys uh, get out there and uh, you know get some more deals done. Absolutely. Awesome. So um, got to start with this. Um, how did you get started in, in all this in, in real estate and in note investing? Yeah. So kind of crazy story. I, um, I was actually going to work one day and um, I was working for a software company and I walked in and they're like, oh yeah, we need to talk to you. You don't work here anymore. I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. This is, this is definitely what I was planning on today. So I got to go home. I had the, you know, I had a mortgage. I had a pregnant wife. I had a son. I, I was the only income earner in my family. So it was very much like I had to figure something out. And uh, I really kind of get introduced to this topic it really was pitched to me like, dude, there's a way you can buy and sell houses with none of your own money. And all I heard was none of your own money. Because I was like, this is great. I have no money. This is like probably right for, just for me. You know, this is uh, this wholesaling concept sounds kind of fascinating. So really kind of looked into it. And it just like, you know, sometimes you hear things, you see things, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like I get that. That makes sense up here. And it just clicked. And, uh, and so I was like, I think I could do this. Like, I think it could do it probably pretty well. So let's give it a shot. And so really, I started wholesaling full time for the sole purpose of I've got to find a way to pay my bills, right? I got to find a way to, to feed the family, etc. And um, really, that's kind of how the whole thing got started. And then from there, that's where the story kind of just changes a thousand times. Um, I always tell people I got shiny object syndrome. And what I mean by that is like, there's this Hey, new shiny strategy. Maybe I should go try that one. So after wholesaling, what I do, I'm wholesaling to fix and flip guys. And so maybe I'll flip houses for a while. So I started doing that and scaled that business up, was trying to juggle five, eight, 10 at a time, and just found myself driving around town all the time. Right. Uh, and then just from there, it was like, oh, this is a lot of work. I don't know that I love this. And I'm just not, I, I was really not great at flipping houses. Like total transparency, just wasn't great at it. Was way better at wholesaling. And, uh, and then so I was trying to look for the more passive play. So I got into some land banking. I was a lender for a while. Um, ultimately tried to build up a rental portfolio. Um, but I just really struggled with rentals. I had a hard time with tenants. Um, kind of just they always got a reason for why they can't pay. And I guess I'm way too nice. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, and so I actually started my own property management company just because I thought I could do it better. And it was awful. Like I, I was just really bad at it. And so I had a good buddy that I said, Hey, can you just take this for me? Like you can have the clients, the revenue. I don't want anything. I just need it out of my life. 
And that's when kind of things started to shift for our business and ultimately took kind of the direction of where we wanted today, which is instead of having a tenant, I started seller financing these houses to buyers and these buyers became the owner of the house. They became responsible for everything. And I'm just the mortgage company. I'm just the bank. And by doing that, I found a way to meet the same rate of return that I was getting with rentals. I got same cash flow. Actually, it was better a lot of times, but I didn't have any of the headache. And that really was the process of, cre that's what it looks like to create your own note, right? Uh, a note is just simply a promise to pay. It's like a mortgage, right? Somebody owes somebody something. And that's kind of what got me going down that path. And then once I learned about the note business, then, I mean, it just was gangbusters from there because it's kind of a whole different world. Man, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, I, yeah, never really liked managing tenants and having, and being a landlord um, yeah. and flipping. I was never great at it either. Um, managing contractors is probably one of my least favorite things to do in the world. Um, so I totally get it. Wholesaling for me, it's the best thing in, in real estate, um, way better fit for my profile. So I get that. Now, when we're talking about note investing, mm -hmm. why would someone consider note investing? So here's the interesting thing about note investing is a, a lot of people, it's very... It's not known, right, by, by very many people, but really the people who do know about it, including myself, who when I learned about it, I kind of just was like, that's not for me, because I was being talked to by somebody who invests in notes, and they're like, you should give me money for like 20 years, 30 years, and I'll give you like five or 6% interest, and you're like, mm, I, don't, I don't think you understand what I do for a living, that's not even like in the ballpark, because I could loan money out at 12% as a hard money lender all day. Well, little did I know that I was the I was the mark, right? They were the knowledgeable. They they were the knowledgeable ones who kind of understood how it all worked, and they were just going after the wrong demographic. You don't go to a, like a real estate meetup kind of place to raise capital for notes. Those people know how to make higher returns. You go to people who are dentists and doctors and whatever else, and um, and there's just way more of those people. So the interest in notes, at least from my point of view, is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I tell if I was raising money. Um, I can go to a landlord right now and say, hey, Mr. Landlord, I, I get it. You like that you get cash flow whenever the tenant pays. You like that, you know, you get a rate of return on your money, that kind of stuff. And, and you love that it's attached to real estate. It's a hard asset. That's the part you like. Then there's the parts you don't like. The tenants, the toilets, the turnover, the fact that you're putting more money into a property to fix things up that break, but your cash flow stays the same. And what does that do to your return on investment? it drives it down every single year, right? And so maybe over 30 years, yeah, rental property is brilliant. But if you've ever owned any number of rental properties, actually, if you ever owned one rental property, you know, it's about that first one to three years, one to five years, where like you're kind of fixing all the stuff that's breaking and you're figuring out how tenant turnover works. And um, you're trying to figure out, should you self-manage or, or property manage? All this stuff, the cash flow hasn't increased because you can't just skyrocket the rent. You can't, you know, the property didn't appreciate. So you can't just pull all your capital back out. You're just in this weird spot. And so if I can go to this, these people and say, hey, look, if I could show you a way to keep all of the good, keep the cash flow, keep the security of the house, keep the rate of return. In fact, I could show you how to make it higher with better cash flow and more stable cash flow. And I'll take away all of the bad. The tenants, the toilets, the turnover, you'll never put any more money back into this property. Would that be a conversation that you'd be like, you know, like to go into? And what you find out is 
it's a fairly easy conversion to get it going, the conversation. It's just, where do you want it to go? It can go a thousand ways. Right now, really the biggest person that you should be talking to, if you're somebody who's wanting to buy houses, is this burnout landlord. Because once you show them how to be the bank, be in the note business, they typically have other capital. And once you can get them to fund your deals, now you can create your own notes. And again, it's the same thing as I can keep all of the good, but I don't have to have any of the bad. And so that's really the, the biggest interest is, um, is solely through the lens of, I, I want it to be passive. Um, I also, I used to live in the Dallas, Texas area for a long time. That's where I started my business. I recently moved to the Denver, Colorado area, just kind of for fun, for some adventure. And my business is very virtual at this point. Um, and with the note business, it's very virtual. So I, I buy nationwide and it just, you know, it lends more towards my lifestyle choices versus me getting in a truck and driving around town to all the flips and going to meeting with sellers and, and all of those different things. And so based on what I was trying to accomplish, it, it lined up with my goals. And I think that's why it's of interest um, kind of for a lot of people. And I'll, and I'll say this, that the founder of Note School, his name's Eddie Speed. You only got to know two things about Eddie Speed if you don't know who he is. He's been in business for 40 years and he's done over 50,000 deals himself. So like the dude's probably figured it out, right? But what's amazing about him is he, he will tell you, he said, look, the longer somebody's in the real estate space, the more notes becomes this aha moment for them. It's not a matter really of, you know, if people entertain notes, it's more a matter of when, if they can make, continue to make it a long time, just because it becomes clear people want to be passive. Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. You have my interest. I'm sure you have the interest of our students and our listeners. Uh, so this episode, we're going to do a little bit differently. So most of it, we do a lot of Q&A, you know, let's really dig into those questions. Um, but this being so different from what we normally talk about, um, we're going to do sort of a, a teaching session. So we're just going to let Brian do his thing, teach us about notes, and, and then we'll, we'll follow up with some questions after that. All right. So I'll let you take it away. Okay, man. cool. So let me ask you before I before I get too far into this, let me ask you a quick question. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, for your audience, because there's there's so many different things I could go into right now. For your audience, are you guys, you know, would you like to talk more about because everything everything ends up in the note conversation? Are you do you normally have people that would be interested in, in learning more ways to acquire more deals? And then obviously we could talk about exiting into notes or what's what do you think is probably the, the most uh, beneficial for your group? at this point in time? Yeah. So the typical profile of, of the students we work with and our listeners, um, they're people that are either in another area of real estate and maybe they're flippers, maybe they're landlords, and they're looking for something that's uh, maybe more scalable or with less risk, uh, a little more passive, can create more of a business around it, okay. or they're looking to get into wholesaling um, and just quit their day job and create that sustainable income that will allow that financial freedom that they've been working for. Okay, cool. All right, cool. So let me, let me kind of do this then. There's a couple of things that, um, that I'll kind of try to hit in, uh, in the conversation here. And, uh, and I will tell everybody too, since I know we only got like 20, 30 minutes or so to, to really kind of have this conversation, it's going to be kind of high level. Um, but if you want to, I've got a, uh, I actually teach a, a one day class 
uh, for Note School. Eddie actually joined, asked me to join his uh, teaching team in January 2020 um, solely to come and kind of say, hey, look, this is what it's been like in the market kind of uh, from my experience, as you would imagine, I talk to a lot more sellers than Eddie Speed is doing 50,000 deals over here, right? So um, hopefully this will be a little bit more relatable um, kind of for you. But uh, I think there's a couple of different things that we can talk about. And I have a one day class that uh, I'll get you guys a link if you want to come to it. And I'll actually get you a coupon code or a discount or something so you can come uh, to where I actually spend a whole day diving into this world. Can you see my screen? Sweet. Okay, cool. So really, there's a couple of things you got to understand uh, about the note business, about notes. And we're going to kind of dig into a couple of things. That's obviously Eddie's speed on the left there. Um, and Eddie, Eddie refers to his approach as becoming a deal architect. Okay, so really what you got to understand is it doesn't matter if you're a wholesaler, you're a landlord, you're, you're trying to scale your business, you're looking for stability, less risk, whatever. A deal architect is simply a different way of viewing the market. It's a real estate investor who's a specialist in kind of a certain area, but they want more out of their marketing dollars. They want more out of the deals they're doing. Uh, lately, everybody I've been talking to, it's the people who are full-time investors. They want more from that deal they do. So if you wholesale the house, how can you wholesale it and make money, but also get a part of the cash flow moving forward, right? What are some ways that you can kind of dig into that? Uh, and then if you're acquiring deals right now, uh, I'll probably I'll probably dive into a couple of things uh, that'll that'll really help you. Like if you're wanting to wholesale houses, rent houses, if you're wanting to acquire property at all, here's a couple of things that'll probably really open up your mind and help you acquire more deals. And the reason I'm going to start with acquiring more deals is it starts with the deal, right? Once you get a deal, if if I could show you how to get a deal with the with the financing, then you could rent it, you could wholesale it, you could flip it, but you could also create your own note. And when we talk about the the note business. The, the easiest way to discuss this is to look at the bigger picture. And everybody always thinks like, well, they're really talking about notes. Like I really am. There's it, the picture is a lot bigger than you think. Um, so buying houses with creative financing, you guys are probably very familiar with this term. It's this, it's a very broad term, right? Creative financing, but essentially it's, I'm going to buy houses, right? And I'm going to have the seller provide the financing for the purchase. So instead of going into a bank, a hard money lender, a private lender, your lender is that seller. And if you can get that seller to provide all the financing, obviously you got a property, you can do whatever you want. My preference is instead of renting it out or something like that, what I do is I turn around and I resell it using seller financing for the tax benefits, uh, but also because the buyer pool today for this marketplace, the seller finance space, is bigger than ever before. It was a trillion dollar marketplace before the pandemic. It's obviously skyrocketed since this uh, point. And these are people who are paying six to 10% interest on their mortgage. They're giving you 10, 20, 30% down payments so you can make a lot of money today. Um, really, really big, uh, big marketplace right now. Uh, and so the reason I do that is obviously is they're the borrower, they fix up the house, it's their problem, I'm just the bank less headache, but I don't have to give up the cash flow or anything. That is how a note is created. Now that you understand that, you can be introduced to what the note business is. Because if you think of the note business like a mortgage, right? It's just a piece of paper. Really, all you're doing is buying and selling paper. Well, instead of a wholesaling the house, you can wholesale the mortgage, the note. And that's really what flipping notes is or wholesaling notes is, is if you're just looking to make a fee income, instead of trying to wholesale houses, maybe you need to incorporate wholesaling notes. Uh, one of the things that I'll kind of teach you in this one day class is there is uh, there's establishments already set up. So I can tell you where to buy notes or I can tell you who who the buyers are to wholesale notes to. 
So I can either give you the inventory sources or who the buyers are. You just can't put them together. You only got to find one or the other. And this is really one of the reasons that I think wholesaling notes is kind of easier for somebody who's starting out new because Eddie Speed, this is how he started. In 1980, at 20 years old, he started with wholesaling notes. And really, he just said, hey, I know there's buyers out there. They're already set up to work with people like me. I'm just going to go talk to sellers, get some notes, and go wholesale these things, right? Then there's the kind of the buy and hold world. So for people who are entertaining the idea of maybe buy and hold, maybe it's a rental or something else, really buying performing loans is allows you to have cash flow, allows you to have the rate of return secured by the property. It's obviously a mortgage, right? First position lien, but none of the tenants and toilets and stuff. The biggest benefit here is for people who really want to be passive, this becomes pretty interesting. Also, there's some strategies, uh, leveraging strategies in performing loans that, I mean, they're probably some of the best wealth building tools I've ever seen. Um, and, and if we have time, I'll try to dive into that a little bit. Um, but one of the biggest reasons that banks make so much money and why banks succeed is they figured out this paper side. They figured out that they can buy an asset, they can sell a part of it to get all of their money back. So now they have no money in it, but they also get years of payment. And I've yet to meet a person who doesn't like that idea of how would you like basically 10 years of, of cash flow for no money? Like everybody would be open to that, right? And so that's really in the world of performing notes. And performing loans are really a big deal for people who are looking to lower their risk. The market's been doing this for how long? Like a decade. Is it going to keep doing this for another decade? Probably not, right? That's not how a market cycle actually works. And because of that, you got to kind of open up your mind to, well, what, what would I want to do to lower my risk, right? Well, one of the things you can do is instead of buying more rental properties right now, you can buy a seasoned performing loan. So like I bought a performing note in Ohio. When they bought the house in 2011, I think it was 2011, yeah, they put like 15 grand down. So that's some skin in the game, but they've made over nine years of payments. And more importantly, they made every payment during the pandemic. So to me, from a risk perspective, if I got to go buy a note, I'm buying a mortgage, right? And so all I get is future payments. I get the payments for the next five, 10, 20 years. Well, if that's the case, the only thing I really care about is what's the likelihood they're going to pay. Well, when they've already been paying for nine straight years, they paid through a pandemic, my risk, as you can imagine, it starts to drop, right? So this becomes a pretty interesting conversation from a risk perspective, but also for people who really want to build wealth, you can do this in tax-free uh, environments as well. And everybody likes paying less taxes. Um, one of the biggest reasons I was brought onto the, the teaching team was actually to talk about this category of burnout landlord capital. This is a, a niche in, uh, we call these the six biggest niches because these are kind of areas of the space that you can kind of dive into. And when I joined the teaching team before the pandemic actually happened, you really saw this data being produced that showed 18 million new real estate investors entering the real estate market. So you have your normal curve of people who are, hey, I want to be a real estate investor. Now I'll add 18 million more people on top of that. And the, the, the short story is this, HGTV absolutely crushed it with getting people inspired, you know, to, to get into this space. Chip and Joanna Gaines made people want to like start flipping houses, right? You could imagine a couple sitting on a couch, they're watching the show, they see the big numbers at the end, and all they do is say, honey, I mean, I think we got to try this. What's the worst that could happen, right? 
And we've all heard the horror stories that come from that sentence, but you kind of get the idea, right? There's all these burnout landlords and this is the perfect avatar, right? Whether you want to buy houses, this is actually our number one source for people we raise capital from as well. Because again, from a risk perspective, these people have been investing for 10 years. If we can say, look, you can keep the cash flow, you can keep the return on investment, but I can take away a lot of the risk. That, that becomes a, a much smarter play uh, of an argument as well as, you know, that it's kind of interesting to them. In other words, they tried flipping houses. It didn't work out. They're, they weren't great at managing contractors, budgets, and timelines. And so they're like, I'm just going to put a tenant in here. It'll be fine. And then they experience what it looks like to own rental property. Well, and really lately it's been, they've experienced what a moratorium looks like, where if their tenant doesn't pay, then it's like, oh my gosh. So Whatever pain was there before the pandemic, obviously, I think we can all agree that it's added more pain to the landlord space. And our job as real estate investors is to bring creative solutions to complicated problems. And if they've got pain and problems, how do we go about getting a competitive edge? How do we go about solving the problem so that they can either loan us money, sell us their houses or whatever? In this case right now, you can buy these houses, right? You can say, hey, tell you what, why don't, why don't I show you how you could keep the good, I'll take away the bad. And I'll show you how to be the bank. And you sell me your rental properties with seller financing. I'll take care of your tenant problem. I've got some solutions for that. And ultimately, I'll find a buyer in the long run so that I don't have tenants either. This is one way to approach it. <clears throat> There's a much smarter way with a tax strategy. If you're wanting to buy houses, I'll kind of run through with you. But really, the, la the last niche I want to talk about is this buying defaulted loans. And this is not a big conversation until the pandemic happened because it's just a part of the market cycle. Markets go up and down. And when they go up, it's one thing. When it goes down, non-performing loans and buying defaulted debt is a huge conversation. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory. These are mortgages that are not being paid. So if a mortgage is not being paid, obviously the bank kind of wants their money or they want the house to sell and get their money back, right? Well, we're the bank. What if I could go out and I could just buy the bad debt from a hedge fund, from a bank or somebody like that? Hey, you don't have to worry about foreclosing. You turn the debt over to me. I can, this is instead of fixing and flipping houses, this is fixing and flipping the paper side of real estate. So I can buy this bad debt for super cheap, like 35 to 45, 55 cents on the dollar. And if the worst thing happens, I end up with a house that's worth this much. I'm buying, I, I got that house for way cheaper than I would have ever got it as, you know, uh, for my marketing, right? And there was 5.5 million non-performing loans before the virus. And on average, they were two years delinquent. So if somebody hasn't been paying in, well, really, if somebody hasn't been paying in 12 months, the likelihood of getting them like back into the habit of, yeah, I'm going to start paying my mortgage again, it's highly unlikely, Right. And so as you would imagine, those 5.5 million, they haven't gone anywhere. In fact, they just started getting released. We just started buying some in the past couple of months. And then there's all these other people who haven't been paying their mortgage during the pandemic. A lot of them went into forbearance programs, right? Forbearance just meaning that you don't have to pay for a while, but eventually you have to pay. And maybe we'll have to modify it and put it at the end of the loan. Or if you don't have a job still or something, we might have to take the house kind of a thing. Well, all those forbearance programs are coming to an end. Um, at like a very fast pace. So it was like in the summer, there was like under 100,000 uh, mortgages that were in forbearance programs. They were starting to expire, which means they had to have a solution. Last month, it was 300,000. It was actually almost 400,000 uh, forbearance plans expired, which means these people are out of options. And then September, this is really the big turning month. There's over 700,000 
forbearance plans that are that are basically no longer existing, right? They're going to expire. And what's going to happen to all these people who are in their home and, and, and got to figure it out? Well, they got to pay off their mortgage. Maybe we can modify it and put all that stuff back at the end and get you a payment that can afford whatever it is. But a lot of them, I'm telling you, and I'm calling it now, wait for the news. Sometime in the next 12 months, there will be a news article about here's these poor people, you know, these poor pitiful people. They said that, you know, they were in this plan that was going to be forgiven. It was a forbearance program and they thought it was all just going to be free money. And forbearance is not forgiveness. You, you have to pay it back. It's really just kind of a pause. And it's going to be sad. A lot of those people are going to lose their houses. But what we can do is we can step in and as a small time investor, we can give these people a second chance and we can make a lot of money, as you would imagine, from just from doing it, right? So really, this is really the six biggest niches in the marketplace. And kind of from here, I'll kind of take you down a little bit of a journey of uh, a couple of things. Right now in the real estate market, obviously, prices are going crazy, right? Real estate prices are going crazy. Stock market's going crazy. All that's really, really good. Really low interest rates. All that's really good stuff. But on the other hand, you know, there's millions and millions of mortgages in trouble. Uh, commercial real estate's in trouble. Um, there's a hodgepodge of things that just aren't working out. It's like, uh, let me see if I can find that slide really quick. Um, so here you go. 14% of FHA loans aren't paying. 9% of the entire residential mortgage space in our country, 9% of people are not paying their mortgage. That means like one out of basically every 10 people who, own, who has a mortgage isn't paying. Is that not a problem to anybody else? Like, doesn't that scream some sort of massive issue? Yeah, that is exactly what's happening. You got 10 million renters who are behind $54 billion in rent payments. So if they're behind in rent, obviously they're not going to be sticking around long. But what about the landlord? What about that small time guy who he's got three rental properties and this was cash flow he used to you know, be able to live on. And there's 35% less qualified borrowers today than there were before the pandemic, which means it's tough to get a mortgage. And so the elephant in the room, as we say, is it's really hard to buy an asset right now. It's really easy to sell one, right? And so there's two kind of conversations I want to go down. The first one is the burnout landlord, right? 72% of all rental properties, right? This is all data from the Urban Institute. You can go check it out yourself. 72% of all rental properties are owned in individual names. This is what we call the hobbyist landlord, right? This is the mom and pop investor who goes to Bank of America, they get a mortgage. That Bank of America says, no, I'm not gonna let you put that in your LLC. You're gonna personally guarantee it with your social security number and we want you to be held accountable. Well, that's a big number. And there's tons of these people. So there's all kinds of small time landlords, what we call hobbyist landlords. They typically own between one and maybe five single family units. Okay, so this isn't Warren Buffett. This isn't hedge funds or anything like that. Okay, 14, per, uh, 14 million of these, over 75% of those hobbyist landlords, they self-manage. So what I'm trying to show you is in the marketplace today, you have the pain from the standpoint of, yeah, we've got the pandemic and sometimes tenants don't pay, but it's also in my personal name. So I've got to make sure I don't default. I'm also managing it, dealing with the headaches myself, right? Um, and then lastly, some of these people, it's free and clear, which normally free and clear to me says they're relying on this cash flow for income, right? And so whether a house is free and clear or whether there's a mortgage doesn't really matter. The point is, there's different pains. People who have a mortgage have a pain of, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? My tenant isn't paying, right? 
okay, people who are free and clear are like, look, the tenant's not paying, the prices are crazy, let's just sell this thing. You know what their pain is? And it's completely unspoken. You'll never really hear a seller say this to you. The unspoken pain is taxes. That's the big pain right now. And I'll kind of show you in a second. Um, but this is really our scenario. And this is for anybody who's wanting to pay or to, to buy more assets. This is something you really have to uh, entertain this approach because this is your typical transaction. A buyer, a seller, a house, and a bank. Your seller is going to sell the property to the investor. A lot of these mom and pop investors, like I said, they're getting a mortgage from a bank. All that's fine. If you can get a mortgage, you get a mortgage. Obviously, there's a ton of people who can't. But if, what if we got rid of the bank altogether and instead we talked to our free and clear hobbyist landlord and we said, why don't you be the, the bank for me, right? And really the only reason they would is because you're going to give them something that no one else is willing to give them. And because this is collateral they're familiar with. You're not asking them to take like a baseball card collection or something as collateral. They, they get the house. If you screw up, they get the house back, right? And so where does this conversation go? Well, for anybody who's ever done any seller financing, you're trying to convince the seller that they should be the bank. And, and that's really kind of been a struggle for, I think, a lot of investors over the years. But it's because we're not doing a good job of entertaining this. And it really takes somebody like Eddie Speed, who's been doing this for 40 years, to step back and look at the market and say, ah, I think I got it. This is the right solution. Here's the pain and here's how we'll solve it. So hobbyist landlord bought a house in 2014, right, for 100 grand. It's on average, let's say it's now at a 250. Killer. This guy make, can make $150,000 today by selling the house, right? Not exactly. Because obviously you've got expenses and stuff, sure. But the bigger thing is capital gains tax, right? And let's just say that's 25%. That's a huge check that they'd have to write to be able to sell it. So while it's interesting, it's kind of painful because I don't really want to do that. Well, what if I could actually sit down with the seller and say, Mr. Seller, I'm not a tax professional. I'm not a tax expert, but I can show you a tax strategy that will allow you to keep the good, keep the house to, as collateral, keep the cash flow, keep the rate, rate of return. And I could show you how to put some money in your pocket tax-free, right? I'm not going to offer seller financing. I'm going to offer a tax strategy. And really the high level view of this is, Every, every house in the country has some level of house of the, of the house is non-taxable, right? Think of it as your tax basis. If they bought the house for 100,000 and now it's worth 250,000, the first $100,000 they get is not taxable, right? According to their tax basis. So I could actually go to the seller and say, look, how about we do this? How about I pay retail for your house? I'll give you 20 or 25% down cash today that's tax-free. You could put it in your pocket. And you're going to sell or finance 75% of the portion over time. And by doing it over time, you're going to take what tax burden you have, and you're going to spread it out for a decade or two. So you're getting a price that you want. You're getting a ton of money in your pocket today, tax-free. And then the taxes you do owe, instead of paying them this year or next year, you're going to pay just a little bit over the next 10 years or whatever it is, right? And the way that we look at this is in this scenario here, you've got $150,000 that are being paid. If, if you sold today, you'd pay it today. But if I spread it out over time, I can lay it down on its side. And now all of a sudden over 15 years, and I just used a round number, if I paid you $10,000 a year, Mr. Seller, well, obviously you'd only pay taxes on that $10,000. So your tax burden gets spread out. You have more income to be able to offset that tax burden, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
this becomes a way better strategy really to be able to get this, uh, get, get these sellers to entertain this idea. Because now there's two things you got to understand. Now I can get a house, right? With financing, except for the fact, did, Dan, didn't I just say that I got to put 10 or 20 to 25% down? Do you want to put 20 or 25% down of your money? I don't either. But with Note School, we actually have a vendor who will put up all that money for you. So now you go tell the seller, I'll give you 20, 25% down. You get that today tax-free. I'm going to have another party step in and give you that. The 75% that you're going to get, you're actually going to get in the future. Now, we might wait six months to actually start making those payments. And if you have a mortgage, we're going to make sure those mortgage payments are covered. But for right now, I can give you what no one else can. Tax-free money, a big chunk in your pocket today. I can give you a retail price when every other wholesaler is offering a low price. And obviously I can give you cash flow and maybe I pay you interest on this 10,000 a year or whatever it is, right? So that's one thing, but now from the acquisition disposition thing, right? Like you're a wholesaler or maybe you're a landlord, whatever your strategy is, it doesn't matter, this works because I could go and I could get a house with seller financing. And if I wanna wholesale it, I package it up and I bring it to Dan. Dan, if I brought you a house that had uh, seller financing with it. So, hey, you can buy this property, give me 10% down or whatever, it's a rental property. That's it. You don't need a bank. I'm your guy, right? You're a lot more likely to say yes until you've mortgaged out, right? Or after you've mortgaged out. So if, if Dan, you could go to Bank of America and you could get a bunch of mortgages, you're good. But Bank of America will tell you, you're, we're only going to give you four or 10 maybe in your personal name. And then you've got to figure it out from there. Well, here's a rental property that now you can access if you're wanting to acquire more. Whatever it is, you can also fix and flip it. I obviously am going to choose to turn around. I'm going to resell it at a premium price, right? So if this was, say, um, what was it, 250? Yes. Yeah. So let's say I paid 250 for the property, right? I can sell or finance this at 280, and I could probably get fifty thousand dollars down from my buyer, which would allow me to give thirty thousand dollars to the seller or if it wasn't my money, it was private money right through one of our vendors. I give the $30,000 back and I'm going to put money in my pocket. Like now I can make 20 grand today. Like here's a good example. Here's a good example of a guy who really went out and, and kind of and, and did this really well. And he's your typical house buyer, right? Sellers want a bunch. He's running into that. He's running into competition. He's trying to double down on his marketing. He's trying to make it work because it's really difficult in the market right now. He was going to be at $375,000 as a cash offer where the seller was like, no, I have to have $450,000. So he was like, cool, here's the deal. I'll give you $50,000 cash today. This is like, this solves your money problem for the short term. If you'll sell or finance it, I'll have this whole thing paid off in 10 years, right? And by doing that, really what we're doing is we're saying you can have the price you want, but you can't have it all today. You can have a big chunk of it. And what's even cooler is you can probably even have it tax-free depending on your tax basis, right? And then the rest of it is just tomorrow. And we've got to figure that out. And once Seth did this, he could turn around, he could resell this to somebody we call a penalty box buyer. Like I said, this is a trillion dollar marketplace, right? This is a, a really a party who is really just being kicked out by the banks. I said there was 35% less qualified borrowers today. This isn't a fluke. This is what the banks decided. This is the Mortgage Bankers Association. What they track is the credit availability index, who's qualified for a mortgage. And you can see that really the banks have weeded out a lot of people. Chase Bank uh, is under some, kind of some pressure because they went and said you could get a mortgage at 620. And that was in March of 2020. 
A week later, it was like 670 and, and a week later it was like 700. So if you had a 699 credit score, you are now a penalty box buyer, according to Chase. That's just how it works. And people are so panicking that these people don't have money. But Ellie Mae, who tracks all this data, is showing that the average down payment right now is 19%. It's pretty good. If you could get 19% down from a buyer, that's killer, right? And really, we've got more data I could show you that it's actually more like 20 to 30 or 30 to 40%. They got plenty of capital they could put down. But the point is that when an event happens in the, in the country, the banks start to, 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 to really become scared and they pull money out of the marketplace. And that obviously opens up the marketplace for seller financing. And this is really where we make a lot of our money, right? And so when you, you saw Seth's deal where he bought it over here, right? And now over here, he's gonna resell it. He's gonna resell it at a premium because he's offering not just the house, but the financing. He got $75,000 down from his buyer, which took about 30 to 45 days. And that he's also owed 400 grand. So Seth gets to either put the, the 50 grand back in his pocket or repay the $50,000 to who he borrowed it from, which is a lender we can provide you. And he puts 25 grand in his pocket. How many of you are wholesaling houses by buying them at retail and making more than 25 grand? I mean, as a full-time wholesaler, I've yet to run into the person who's, who's doing that, right? But with this strategy, you really can, right? And so that's kind of the concept with this. And then obviously when you, when you turn around and you resell it, you have different terms and I don't, I won't get into this bottom line is he was able to acquire this at 0% interest from the seller, which is incredible. And he resold it at 7% interest because the, the interest rate for that bar was going to be between six and 10% interest, but that's what creates the cash flow. And I know I'm going super fast on this. I just want to try to cram in as much content as I can, but 1550 a month in cash flow is nothing to look away at. That's pretty incredible. But the other cool part about notes that people forget about is when this thing pays off in 10 years, that borrower owes 343, but because Seth paid no interest, he only owes 266. So Seth gets a bonus check. He knows this check is sitting out there in 10 years of $76,000 for nothing else. He didn't do anything else, no extra work, right? And so now he's sitting here making all this money upfront, the cash flow until it cashes out. And he's gonna make 287 grand on a deal that he paid retail for. Here's my point. Don't get bogged down in the big numbers, the shiny objects, right? Here's the thing I want you to think about is are you, are you missing deals because the sellers want a lot of money or whatever it is or competition, right? This strategy, presenting it as a tax strategy will dramatically increase your close rate. That's going to allow you to either wholesale more houses, take down more flips, take down more rental properties, whatever it is that you're trying to do, or entertain this idea of creating your own note. Because once you create your own note, well, that's kind of where really the, the big money is made. And let me see if I can pull up, um, I'll pull up one more thing and, uh, and you can tell me if this is, uh, oops, I gotta do this. There we go. And let me, let me scroll down to some notes because once a note is created, I told you you could wholesale it, right? But check this out. Where is, there's so many, I, I just get so excited about this. Like, I feel like I could talk about so many different things. So let's just say for a second, we got a performing note. Okay. So there was, it was sold. It was sold for, you know, X number of dollars. There was a down payment. And you know, to a penalty box buyer, and that penalty box buyer is paying, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And over time, let's say they've paid 83 times. Okay. So now there's some seasoning on it. We know that they're paying. 
So here we are years later, right? Seven years later in this story. Well, now I can go buy this note from whoever originated it and I can buy it at a discount, right? So what it's owed is 34,000. The property's also gone up in value. So my loan to value is 32%. Now, I don't know if anybody knows about lending money out, but the lower that loan to value, the lower your risk. And this is really why notes are so attractive long-term is the longer you're in a note, the lower your risk gets. So every single month, right? What happens in a note is you essentially, you receive, what you're buying is you're buying the right to receive really all of those payments. In this example, obviously we've changed from Seth's deal to a different deal so I can explain the note element. But you're getting $319 a month, every month, right? They've been paying for seven years. They're probably going to keep paying. This is really all you get. But here's the thing. You can do it in a tax-free environment, sure. But if you paid $34,000, which is what's owed to you, if you bought this, you would get a 10% return on investment because that's the interest on the loan. So Dan, if I said, hey, here's a note, you could buy it for $34,659. And you said, great, what would my return on investment be? I would say, well, it would be what's on the note, 10% but notes are bought and sold at a discount. So I can go to that seller of the note and say, I'll make you an offer at 24 grand. And there's a whole conversation about why that's an easy conversation. But literally by buying it for a discount, that literally gives me extra equity, which increases my rate of return. So every month I'm gonna get all those payments until I've received all of my payments, right? And I'll have made a 15% annualized return. Now, Dan, Matt, I don't know about you, but if you could get a consistent 15% annualized return, that's pretty good, right? I think it is because it's not like hard money where like you made it one year, but now you got to go find more deals to get into. This is like a set it and forget it. Let me, let me blow your mind for a second. At least this blew my mind. The guy that did this deal, his name is Dave. And he was telling us about this. He's like, 15% is not good enough. And you're like, this dude's so greedy. Oh my gosh. What does he want? Let me tell you about this strategy really quick. It's called partials. A partial is like a pizza, right? If it, if it costs you six bucks, to make it, you got to sell it for 10 bucks or 12 bucks, obviously, to make a profit, unless you obviously sell it by the slice. This is where control is the magic word. When I can sell the front slices of the pizza, I got all my money back, right? But I also control the back half of the pizza. So I could eat that pizza. I could throw it away. I could throw it at Matt's face if he pisses me off, right? Like I get to decide what happens with the back half of the pizza. So this is a strategy that I'll simplify in this. If you want to learn how to make a ton of money, and specifically a ton of money in the note business, you got to learn how to buy long and sell short. And what that means is buy long means you're going to commit to all 277 months. You're going to commit to 20 something years of the note. So you're going to say, yes, I'll buy the whole note, but I'm going to sell the front half of the pizza. That's really the key here. Okay. And really what we're talking about is you can go to a, a passive investor and I could really go to, to, um, well, really even to, let's say, Matt, your mom wants to be a real estate investor or she wants exposure, but she doesn't want a lot of risk. Well, I could go and talk to your mom and say, look, if you take a lot of risk, you could, yeah, you can make eight, nine double digit returns, right? But if I want to lower your risk, would you be willing to take, say, 7% interest for 12 years, right? And here's really why, why this would be of interest to you is I'll give you all of the payments up front. So you get all of the cash flow payments upfront. And I don't get any of the cash flow payments until you've gotten all of yours. And you're actually, because you're getting the front part of the loan, I get the back half of the loan, right? That gives you the more valuable section. But also Matt's mom, I don't know Matt's mom's name, but if I, if I had, hey, said, hey, Matt's mom, on top of that, 
I know you know nothing about notes and I know you want this to be passive and you don't want to put your money in a bank and a CD and make two or 3%, five, six or 7% for extremely passive is good, right? Well, what if the borrower stops paying? What if things go wrong? Well, you're more partnering with me because this is kind of a note that I'm in. And since all my money's made on the backside, I'm selfish. I'm going to step in and I'm actually going to handle it all for you so that it's extremely passive, but also because I want to protect my own interest. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds like a winner. Great. What do I owe you? Well, Matt's mom, give me 31219 That literally gives you 144 months of 319 a month, 7% annualized return. And at the end of that 12 years, you've received all of your money back, all of your interest, and you're good to go. This is not the appealing part because it's like, okay, who cares? What about me? Well, if I sold Matt's mom 144 payments, that means I keep 133 payments. But for those of you who are paying attention, Dave bought this entire note for $24,000 and he sold just the front 12 years for $31,000. So Dave got all of his money back immediately and $6,500 today. Matt's mom's thrilled because she didn't have to do anything to make a 7% return. And Dave gets another $42,000 absolutely tax-free because he did this in his IRA for doing nothing but waiting. What kind of return on investment is it when you put up 24 grand, get it back immediately, another 6,500, and then you're promised 42,000 in the future? It's enough, right? That's, that's really the, the magic word in notes. And so this is the power of partials. And again, I got more time to go into it at, at a later date. Uh, really, I more want everybody to understand kind of the direction that I'm going um, because this concept, once a note is created, you can sell a partial. And so I don't care who you are. If you tell me, Brian, I want this return or I want this return. There's not a return that's going to be higher than being able to pull all of your money out and still getting some of the cash flow in the future. It's truly, truly incredible. And so I'll kind of wrap up with this. I'll kind of jump back to the other presentation here uh, and really say, you know, there's a lot of different things we could talk about. But, um, you know, for those of you who are interested in learning more, because I feel like I could ramble on about this a lot. We actually have a class coming up. Um, it's going to be, um, well, actually, we're looking at two classes. Right now, I've got one set for September 11th. Um, and uh, obviously, you see the time zones there. Really, it's a, it's a full day class, right, that allows you to dig into. We use case studies to break down the steps and the details to really help you better understand what it is you're supposed to be doing and how this works, how I could do things in a tax-free environment. Maybe I want to wholesale notes. Maybe I want to buy just performing notes. I want to sell partials. And really the market condition right now, we didn't have time to talk about it is non-performing notes. There's not a cheaper way to get into assets except through non-performing notes because you can buy the debt it's so cheap. And the worst thing that happens is you get the house, right? Um, we're giving away a couple of books, these two books, one's on creative financing during and after a pandemic, one's all about non-performing loans, but really these six biggest niches, we spend the whole day diving into this. And it's like a six and a half hour class, um, that you can go to. And what we'll do, because this is more of a podcast thing, I will get a link and make it more kind of evergreen so that if you miss this next class, that I'll get you a link that redirects to whatever the next class is. So if you're listening to this webinar in November, um, you should be able to automatically go uh, to whatever the next class is. Uh, but for those of you who are really focusing on money today and you say to yourself, I really want to build wealth, but it's really more a future thing for me. Let me just tell you, this is a class that you need to take because I understand the pressure of, I got to make money now. I got kids to feed a mortgage to pay. I understand that. And I understand what it's like to say, I want to build wealth. I just can't afford to with my capital do that yet. 
So let me show you on Saturday. I'm going to teach you. This is like a passion project of mine to take a hundred dollar bill and turn it to a hundred thousand dollars, absolutely tax-free in a retirement account, right? And using it on one note deal. So on Saturday, you can learn how to take $100, do one note deal, turn it to $100,000. So let that be growing, get back to your grind, get back to hustling and your active income to focus on making some money today, but your wealth can be growing. And then once it's $100,000, can't you split that up and do the same thing over and over again? Yes. So these wealth building strategies are truly remarkable. As you would imagine, in order to do 50,000 deals, the thing kind of has to work. The model has to work. It's got to be scalable. And to watch Eddie Speed do it is pretty incredible. Obviously, it's been 40 years, 50,000 deals. Um, that's really what sold me on this whole thing of like, I need to go dig into this more. Um, and so that's kind of what got me going down this path. And so if you're wanting to come to this, here's the deal. I've got a link right here. We could put it in the show notes as well, but it's noteschool.com slash reheroes. Okay, this link will allow you to get the one day class that I teach is a $97 class if you go to the Note School's website. Um, but with this link, uh, because of the relationship with Dan and Matt, it's what brings the price down to 29 bucks. Um, if you're truly, if this is your business like thought process, you're trying to go out and be a hero in the space, that's literally what this is all about. The Note Space shows you exactly how to go out and be the hero, whether you're being the hero to the seller, you're being the hero to the buyer and giving them a second chance when the bank has kicked them out, whatever it is, you can even be a hero for your family and build substantial wealth using some of these note strategies. And you just happen to be alive at the right time, right? You happen to be learning about this at the right time in the fact that non-performing notes is a conversation that I mean, it's just the supply and demand, right? There's just so much inventory. There's so few note investors. This is how you get the deals, um, you know, in a marketplace like this. So if this is for you, feel free. Um, you guys can always reach out to Note School if you need any more information. But hopefully that gives you a pretty good overview of a lot of the things that we cover. I tried to cover, I think, a, a hodgepodge of different things that I think might be beneficial based on what you said. And uh, if you want to come spend a day with me, it's interactive. Bring your questions, bring, bring your business problems. Let's dig into them um, in this class. And let's use case studies to teach you from beginning to end kind of how this works. So that's it. That's it for me, man. I mean, I know I, I, know I talk a lot. I, know, I saw some questions and stuff come in. But um, any value I can provide for you guys, just let me know. And we'll, uh, um, we'll go from there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I know. Uh... Matt and I, we were talking, that's a cool water bottle. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt and I were talking a little bit. I know he had some questions uh, that we would love to dig into. So Matt, I'll let yeah. you take it. Yeah. So when you're finding data, as far as like non-performing notes and whatnot, are you just finding like an overview of how many there are, or are you actually finding like the addresses that are attached to those notes? Yeah. So this is a little bit of a, um, a cheat. You want the real answer, Matt? I cheat. Here's how I cheat. By being a part of Note School, it allows me to have access to inventory. So Eddie teaches us how to work with private equity funds, how to work with hedge funds, how to work with banks. But Eddie will also go out, buy a case and sell it by the bottle. So I kind of cheat by just saying, instead of trying to find my own, but this is my preference. I think right now it's such an easy time to raise long-term money. Eddie's really shown me how to raise like 20 and 30 year money at five to 7% interest. So if I can raise cheap money and he has access to inventory, you probably already get the hint. I'm kind of lazy. 
I just want to put the two together. I'm a wholesaler. I'm a wholesale minded person. I just want to be the connector. I don't want to have to do the work. I, you know, I, I just want the money. I don't care about owning X number of assets. I just want the money. And so that's one way to do it. Uh, but yeah, really on Saturday, uh, the class that I teach, that's one of the things that I'm talking about is how do you either target the sellers or where do you go to buy these notes, right? Or obviously if you have notes, you're creating your own notes, where do I go to sell these notes and stuff like that? So yeah, we, we dig into that quite a bit. I'll give you some resources. I'll teach you how to build a list um, you know, of who actually has these notes, right? Because I want access to the seller of the note or I want access to a company like a hedge fund who already has all this debt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as a wholesaler, when somebody is behind on like their mortgage and whatnot, obviously that is high priority for us because <laughs> those are people that, you know, we want to go after. And then I think we could even like, depending on how often that data refreshes, like it sounds like we could find those sellers before they go into even like a pre-foreclosure status. You, I mean, you really can if you wanted to. What, what I will tell you is that just wait for the pain to be there. I'm telling you, the competition in the note space is just so small compared to the house space, right? Like I've spent $10,000 a month on marketing and I've, and I've had months where like it didn't yield hardly any leads. And it's just like mind boggling because there's just that many flyers and postcards and letters that they're receiving, right? And so I either have to find a different way to present myself. And that's really where this tax strategy comes in. That's what gets you in the door, right? And, and, that, and then it doesn't even matter really what they owe. It didn't matter if they're behind on their mortgage. It doesn't matter if they owe a bunch. Uh, on Saturday, I'll show you a, an asset we bought with, um, it was a zero down VA loan bought 10 months ago. How much equity could there possibly be in a house that was bought just 10 months ago and they didn't put any money down? So how are you supposed to help that person as a wholesaler? Remember, our job is to bring creative solutions to whatever their crazy problem is. And sometimes paying a low cash price doesn't always work. So where do you go from there? You got you to come up with another solution. And that's really what we want to try to get across is here's some different ways uh, to do it. And from a marketing standpoint, yeah, you can just build a list of people who, you know, especially performing loans. Like if you just want to buy performing loans, it's easy to find, uh, just build a list of here's a bunch of people who are, are receiving payments. Send them a letter that says, hey, if you don't want to keep, if you don't want to wait 15 more years for all your money, I can give you cash today. They, that's pretty, it's pretty responsive type ad. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, Brian, if there was one thing that you would hope people would remember and take away from this conversation, what would that be? Well, I think it kind of depends on what their goal is, right? If, if you're trying to buy houses, or let's just say you're trying to talk to sellers right now, whether you're going to wholesale them, flip them, rent them, whatever, even owner finance them. The thing I want you to think about right now is understand their unspoken pain. We've all been sitting at a kitchen table trying to figure out what is it like, how do I get this person to sell like their house to me? Like, what am I missing? It's unspoken pain. Remember right now, after a decade of appreciation, taxes, I've yet to meet a person who says, I'm okay with paying taxes. It's never happened, never. And it's just such a smart way to help the seller at just an unbelievable le level. And you can make, obviously, you get more deals for it, but you also can make a lot more money on those deals. So that's really the goal there. And then really, if you're somebody who's wanting to, to buy and hold, or, or you're wanting to, if, especially if you're somebody who really wants to build wealth, 
I mean, you really can't afford to, to miss this concept of performing loans, partials, and, uh, and really you can double your net worth over the next two to three years just doing non-performing loans. Like there's just that much opportunity there, um, but it just takes a little bit of a learning curve. And that's why I teach a whole day class on it, so. Awesome. Um, and being that we are real estate heroes, I got to ask, um, if you were a superhero, which one would you be and why? Dude, I got to say Iron Man. Like, I just, I, I love the creative aspects of his brain, the willingness to say there's a problem, but it's not, a, it's not unsolvable. The dude just always tries to be like, no, it's fine. It doesn't matter how, it's whatever it possible is, he's like, we can accomplish it. I love that mindset. And I just, I mean, obviously he just looks incredibly awesome. So it's cool. I got to get me one. I really want one of those red suits. I had a friend where I used to live who he like designed those, like built like movie prop type costumes and, but they're like five grand. So I was like, wow, super cool. Awesome. Uh, well, Brian, thank you for being here, uh, schooling us on notes and uh, just super grateful for having you on. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you got value out of this, please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends. Uh, and as always, I want to make sure that you can grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it. As soon as you're done listening, just do that one thing to move in the right direction. Jot down the note, make the call, schedule the meeting, just do something. The only way you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out, take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, with Real Estate Heroes.